Thank you for joining us. This is Salt and Light Baptist Church, and I am Pastor Justin Walker. We're glad to have you here today. We're going through the book of Genesis. It's a book of foundations. Not only the foundations of God's Word, but the foundations of the entire world in which we live. And we see Genesis divided into two major sections. The first is in the first 11 chapters. It's the creation of the world. It's the fall of man. It's the global flood of Noah. It's the dispersion where men are scattered abroad across the earth. And then the Bible will zoom in in chapters 12 through 50, the Bible zooms in the stories into Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. And so grab a Bible and come along with us today as we continue our study through Genesis. Uh, All right, grab a Bible and turn it open to Genesis chapter 24 and find verse 29. Genesis chapter 24 and find verse 29. Uh, A few months ago, my brother had moved and he bought a house, and they were painting the ceiling, and he was kind of fussing about painting the ceiling. And in a, a passing comment about painting the ceiling, he made a comment that, uh, you know, because of the size or something, I don't remember why, but he made a comment, and, and before you go crazy over this, no, I, I know what I'm saying, I promise, okay? He says that he felt like he was painting the 16th chapel. I told you I knew what I was saying. Give me a second. Like, okay. So, so he makes this comment that, and some of y'all are like, what's the problem right now? And others of you, no, that's true because, so, so this guy we work with, his name's JT. And, and if you say the wrong thing in front of JT, he's going to let you know. Like for those of you who know JT, he's not going to hold, he's not going to hold his tongue. And so I'm just like, whatever, it's a common mistake, you know, and, and JT can't hold it. He's like, no, whoa, what do you mean the 16th chapel? He's like, and so my brother says in all seriousness, he goes, I, I didn't know. I thought maybe it was like there's First Baptist or something. He's like, maybe it's like the 16th of the chapels that he did or something. And, and, and JT, in, in his exuberance, he says, dude, it's 16. S-I-S, 16. It's not six. And my brother goes, hey, how would I have known if nobody ever told me? He's like, I, I th- you could see the mistake. He's like, it's not like these are far off. He's like, you could see the mistake. For my whole life, I've thought it was the 16th chapel. Funny enough, by the way, it's one of those like most common mistakes. If you go to Google and type in 16th chapel, it'll just go ahead and pull up the Sistine Chapel. Like, oh yeah, I mean, it, it's a pretty common mistake. But how would somebody know? And I guarantee you, if I really polled around today, there'd be somebody in the room like, I thought it was 16th. It's a pretty common thing. Now listen, I'm telling you that because of this. Today we're talking about the gospel, the actual proposal, right? We've been talking about this servant. I'll get to him in a moment. And he's going out and trying to find a bride for the son of Abraham. And at some point, you actually have to explain who Christ is. Assuming that everybody knows, sometimes there are people who don't know. You think they know. We're so used to to church words. We, think, we say things like salvation and gospel and eternity. We say things like uh, even bigger church words. We, we might use something you know, like Jesus propitiated our sins, or we might say that, that Jesus has redeemed us. And to some people, they may not know exactly what you're saying. And so today, we're going to give a breakdown of the simple gospel, because the gospel really is simple, and it's designed to be that way. God made it that way so that everybody could understand and that everybody could be saved. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is the gospel. Just the plain, simple gospel. Just in case you don't know it or need a refresher, or maybe for some of you, you need to know a way to share it, then that's, this is going to be for you today. It's Genesis 24, and you're going to pick up with me in verse 20. Uh, Genesis chapter 24, and pick up with me in verse 29. Do you have it? 
All right. Now, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out to the man by the well, and so it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, and when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah saying, Thus the man spoke with me, that he went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well, and he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. And then the man came to the house. And he unloaded the camels and provided straw and feed for the camels and wa- and water to wash his feet, uh, the feet of the and the fi- and the feet of the men who were with him. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, "I will not eat until I have told you about my errand." We'll read a little further later, but let's go to the Lord in prayer right now about His Word. Heavenly Father, we turn to you and ask you to reveal Your Word to us. Father, we want to hear from you. We are begging. We're asking, and you say that if we ask, we'll receive. Father, we are asking that we could receive your Holy Spirit and an understanding from you to hear your word and hear how it applies to us. Lord, we don't deserve your mercy. We don't deserve your grace. We are thankful for it. And in your presence, in your throne room, as our heads are bowed, Father, we simply ask you to reveal yourself to us today. Lord, if Moses could go up on a mountain and see you and come back shining so bright that they had to put a bag on his head. How much more if we could see you through your word. Father, help us to see you today and to leave here shining for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at this. Starts in verse 29. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Now, you remember this story, right? There's a guy named Abraham, old guy, had a son in his old age. You got that one, right? And he had, his son was now 37 years old, and he had taken it upon himself. Abraham took it upon himself to find a bride for Isaac. Just like God is finding a bride for his son, Jesus, God the Father. He has his son, Jesus, and he has is providing a bride for him. And we know that through the scriptures, as I've already showed you, that's the church, right? Just shake your head. Yes, I'm not confusing you, right? When we say the bride of Christ, we're talking about the church. God the Father is finding a bride for his son in the church. And so God is charged, just like Abraham charged his servant. Abraham told the servant, go out and find a bride for my son. Go back to my home in Ur. Go there. Don't stay here in Canaan. Go back to my homeland and find a, a, a bride for my son Isaac. That That's what Abraham said. God has said to us, his servants, for us to go and to find a bride. We're charged with the same charge. We should go out and find a bride for the Lord Jesus. That is on us. We call that evangelism, right? I still haven't confused you. Good. And then last week we talked about being prepared. First week we were charged with it. Last week we talked about being prepared. By the way, I just want to tell you guys, and I'm super proud of you all, you would have no idea the number of text messages and messages on, on Facebook of you guys who are memorizing scriptures, having your kids memorize scripture. Some of you came to me Wednesday night, like notes on your arm. Like everybody's trying to memorize scripture. I didn't realize that was going to be the thing that would stick. I never know that. But, but anyways, I just thought that was great to see all of our people. We went out Saturday. Uh, we went out and... 
brought a group of us up here and we sat out in the parking lot and invited people to come pray with us and, and did our best to share the gospel with them. And, and that's just a wonderful thing to see that the Lord's working in us. And we should do that. We should be prepared. That's what the servant did, right? He took his camels, knelt them down, and he had that whole idea. I'm going to ask a girl who comes out. I'm going to ask her to let me get a drink from her pitcher and the one who lowers the pitcher down and waters my camels as well. That's going to be the girl that I'm going to take back to Isaac. Lord, help me help provide that. Still didn't confuse you, right? You know the story. And so he did it. He executed the plan, and Rebecca was the one who came out. Before he could even finish praying to God to show him the girl, he looks over, and there's Rebecca. And she's coming out with her water pitcher, and he ran out and said, Can I have some water? And she said, Sure, of course. And she lowered her water pitcher, and then she watered all the camels, and he stood there in amazement and awe. And I'm pointing all of that out to say, Remember what he did? He took out, she watered all the camels, and he walked over and took a bracelet, big heavy bracelets, put them, they were gold, put them on her wrist, put a nose ring on her. He gave her a nose ring. I know that's kind of weird. I don't know. I hope it was already pierced because that was a painful moment. And so, uh, so he gives her a nose ring, and he gives her some bracelets, and, and he's, he's giving her all these gifts. She ran home to tell her family. Now, I want you to stick with this. Are you paying attention? Did the servant propose yet? If you have it in your mind, and I've read some people that believe this way, but I think they're wrong. The servant has not yet told them his exact plan. In her mind, as best as I can tell, maybe she's excited. Maybe she thinks that this guy gave her the, the bracelet and the ring and the nose ring because she watered the camels. In her mind, that's how it went. She can't go from her side. She comes out with water. Here's this old servant guy with all these camels. He says to her, hey, can I have a drink? She lowers, sure, yeah, she'll get a drink. She says, can I go get some water for your camels? Let me water your camels. She's watering the camels. The dude's staring at her. It's kind of creepy, but she just keeps going. She waters the camels. And then he comes over and he says, blessed be the Lord. And he gives her some rings. And she goes, okay. I was at Arby's one time working, and this guy comes around in an Aston Martin. And I was working in the drive-thru, and this guy comes, and I recognized his car. I just like cars. And so I'm like, is that an Aston Martin? Like, I didn't know. I mean, I don't think he just stuck an emblem on. Anyway, so I'm like, is that an Aston Martin? And he's like, yeah, it is. And, and he's just being nice. We're just chit-chatting. And he comes in for a minute. He tips me $100. There were kids in the back, like 16-year-old kids in the back. They got so mad. They were out on a smoke break. They came in. They were like, I, wait a minute. I want a piece of that. They wanted to go talk to the guy in the Aston Martin because he had tipped me $100. I'm telling you that. Look, look, look. Rebecca had a brother. I'm in verse 29. His name was Laban. Laban ran out to, meet, to, uh, to the man by the well. And so it came to pass when he saw the nose ring, the bracelets on his sister's wrist, when he heard the words of his sister Rebecca saying, Thus the man spoke with me, that he went to the man and he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. He's preparing a place because this guy just gave his sister some treasures for watering the camels. If she gets that for watering the camels, what am I going to get for? I'm going to house them for the night. You're going to give me a chest of stuff. Do you get what Laban's doing? And I want to point it out from the other side and tell you that the, the servant says that he gets him, uh, Laban, I'm getting ahead of myself. Laban gets the guy, the servant, to come home with him. And he's putting out some food. He's trying to get him to wash his feet and lay back and relax. He's, Laban's working it. And the, the servant says, we can't go any further until I tell you about my errand. I, I've got to tell you why I'm here. Friends, I need you to know that sometimes the world, you might think they know the gospel. We know the gospel. As a matter of fact, I found that if you, a lot of people even know what it means. If you say, do you know the gospel? Do you know what the gospel is? They will say to you, what's the good news? A lot of people know the gospel means it is literally translated good news. They know that. A few years ago, there was a woman, and I don't know how you feel about this. Don't 
don't take this the wrong way. I'm just telling you that so that you can remember the story. There was a woman who was, she was being tormented by demonic activity or something strange. If you don't want to believe in that, which I'll talk to you about that later. Come talk to me. I'll talk to you about that. But uh, she was dealing with, with demons in her life. She's being tormented by stuff. And she called my wife. And uh, she lived near us, and, and I, don't, I don't know how they met. I can't remember, but it doesn't matter. Somehow she called my wife, and she starts telling my wife, and Sarah said, um, above my pay grade, I don't know what to tell you. Here's my husband's number. Thank you. <laughs> and so the, uh, this woman calls me, and she starts telling me that she's got demons in her life messing with her. And I said, well, let's just go from square one. I said, do you know the, do you know the gospel? She said, oh, Yes. I said, do you know Jesus? She said, absolutely. I said, okay. I said, maybe let's dig a little further. And I'm asking her some questions, trying to figure out why she's got stuff happening. I'm not going to deny her. I'm not going to tell her she's lying. I'm, I believe her. I think these things were probably happening. And so I said, you know, did, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Well, come to find out in my questioning, this woman's messing around with witchcraft and Wicca. As she wanted to know what was going on in her house, I, I now have an answer. And, and she didn't like my answer because the problem is more, yes, witchcraft and Wicca will do that. Don't be messing with that stuff. The Bible tells warns against that. She's messing around with it. And you know what I told her? I said, okay, we got to go back to square one. I thought you told me that, that you knew Jesus. And she said, well, I do. I said to her, Sarah was there in the room with me. I said to this woman on the phone, I said, you tell me. What does that mean? Who is Jesus? What is the gospel? You tell me like I don't know. She went, well, I, I believe in God. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I said, good. And I couldn't make this stuff up. She said, I listen to Christian music in my, on my radio when I'm in the car. And I went, okay. And, she, and then, of course, then the defense comes out. I love this when you're a pastor. This is always, I, I haven't been to church in a while but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I, I, I only went at Easter last year. We missed Christmas. That's what she said. She said, we only went at Easter. We, we missed Christmas, but we love church. We're going to try to get back in church. You see, friend, when I said to her, did she know Jesus? I meant, do you know Jesus as your Savior? She heard, do you know Jesus? And she's like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I listen to Christian radio. I go to church on Easter and Christmas. I, I like church. I like church people. Maybe she comes for the functions. Maybe she comes. I'm not dogging it. Don't walk out here saying, Justin, don't want to do a fall festival. But maybe she came to the fall festival. Maybe she played the games at church. Maybe she, maybe she came and had fun at some event that we had. or, or well, She never came with us, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like it, She thought that she knew. Just like my brother, this is the whole 16th chapel thing. She thought she knew something. And when I asked her, she could tell me, yeah, I know. But she didn't know. Not everybody knows. Just because we're so used to it, we're so accustomed, we're in church and we hear about the gospel all the time, doesn't mean everybody knows. This guy comes out, he sees the gold bracelets, he sees the ring, he prepares the house, he's excited about the servant, but he doesn't know what the servant's actually offering yet. Look what happens next. I'm going to read a little further. We're now in verse 33. There was food set before him to eat, and he said, I will not eat until I've told about my errand. And he said, that's Laban speaking, speak on. And so verse 34, he said, I am Abraham's servant. 
The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he's become great, and he's given flocks and herds and silver and gold, male and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was, uh, when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel and, and with, with you and you, excuse me, with you and prosper your way. And you shall take a wife for my son from my family and from my father's house. You'll be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family, for if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. Now, we've heard that story, right? That's when Abraham charged the servant. That was two weeks ago. He gave the servant the charge. But notice that now the servant tells this guy, this Laban guy, Laban and the father, this is a a different time. This is how they would court back then. This is how they would arrange a marriage. Now, not always with the servant, but it wouldn't be like, you know, like what we have with dating. He's arranging, he's talking about the marriage, and he says, Listen, my, my, sir, my master sent me the servant. I'm the servant of my master Abraham, and he has sent me on this errand. And did you notice that over and over and over and over again, what did he do? He promoted his master. Abraham has male and female servants. He's got donkeys. He's got camels. He's got cattle. In his old age, his wife Sarah bore him a son, and he's given all that he has to the son. Do you understand what he's doing? He is promoting his master. Let me go from the other side. Do you know what he didn't say? Well, after my long 500-mile trek, because that's how long it was, after my long 500-mile trek with all of these camels and these, all of this stuff, and we've made it a long way to get here. And let me tell you, there was a time we ran it. We thought we were going to have a run-in with some thieves. Thankfully, the Lord protected us. And we, Do you see, he didn't talk about himself or his journey. He didn't talk about all the camels that he had. He talked about his master. At some point, listen to me, if you want to share the gospel, you want to invite somebody to marry the, bride, the, the groom, you want to invite them to be the bride, you're going to have to tell them about the master. We serve a God who sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die for our sins. And three days after dying for our sins, he rose from the grave. If you're a note taker, if you've been excited to take notes and you want to know about talking about the master, I want you to turn with me. For some of you trying to memorize scripture that you texted me this week, memorize this one. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You're in your Bible. You're back in the Old Testament. You're in the first book. Go way to the New Testament. Go past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to show you just how simple this is. When we talk to people about being saved, sometimes there's all these weird ideas. We get mixed up. Don't be mad at me. I don't know everybody in the building. Are you ready to hear the truth, though? Just shake your head yes. You want to hear the truth? I want you to pay attention that this has nothing to do with baptism, confirmation, a prayer that you say, giving some sort of of offering. Pay attention real close. This is not me speaking. I didn't make this up. You've You've got that Bible in your life. You've had it for a long time, haven't you? Look at what Paul taught us. 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare. Paul's gonna, he declared something. I declare to you, what does he declare according to your Bible? The gospel. Hey, this is pretty easy. Paul declared the gospel. Look what he says, which I have preached, uh, which I preached to you, 
which you also received, in which you stand. Just stop there for a moment. This is Paul's preface. He says to the Corinthian church, I delivered something to you. I declared something to you. What did he declare? You read it. The gospel. How did he declare it? He preached it to them. Somebody has to tell them. Remember when Paul says that? Another point in Romans when Paul said, how will they know if somebody, unless somebody tells them? Remember when the Ethiopian eunuch and, and uh, Philip had run up to the Ethiopian eunuch and he was reading from Isaiah 53 and he says, I hear you reading. Do you know what you're reading? Uh, Philip said to the Ethiopian eunuch, I hear what you're reading. Do you know what you're reading? And the eunuch said, how can I unless somebody tells me? How can I know it's the Sistine Chapel? I thought it was 16th. Nobody ever told me. I'd, my mind's been saying 16th for my whole life. How would we know? Paul said, I declared to you the gospel. What did they do when he declared it? According to your Bible, what did the Corinthian church do? They've received it. This is pretty simple. He declared the gospel. They've received the gospel. Not only did they receive it, then what do they do? They stand in it. Friends, I want you to know this. The gospel is where we're saved, and the gospel is where we stay. It's both. You don't get to say, well, I had the gospel to be saved and that's it. Now I'm good. No, friend, I'm saved in it and I stay in it. Every week we keep hearing the same thing. You come to church, what do you hear? Jesus Christ is the son of God who lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death. They put him in a tomb and three days later he rose again. Where did I come up with such an idea? You ready? Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15, I declare to you the gospel. I preached it to you. You've received it. It's where you stand. Look in verse 2, by which also you were saved. If you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. You ready? He's, he gave them the gospel. Let's see it. Verse 3. For I delivered to you. I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Is that hard? I think a child could figure that out. The gospel is not the music you listen to. I understand we have these words in the English language that we double up on, and I get that, and so sometimes you could say gospel music, and it has nothing to do with, with the gospel. When we're speaking of the gospel, the good news, here is the good news. God looked on us sinners, and he said, I want to save them. And he sent his only son, Jesus, who never sinned, to pay for our sin. So Jesus did that by dying on a cross, and they put him in a tomb, and he rose again. That's not me. Did I make that up? That's Paul's words. That's the gospel right there. Paul said, I declared it to you. You've received it. You stand in it. What is it? What did I declare to you? That Christ died according to the scriptures. They put him in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again. I don't understand why that is so hard. And let me tell you why I'm being so forceful about that. A few years ago, I was uh, uh, out. Um, my wife was with me. She remembers. There was a, a group of young people. There was this young man in the group. And everybody had decided that this young man was called in the ministry. He was still questioning, but everybody else was just sure that this young man was called into the ministry. There was a group of about 200 kids that night at a camp. It's like maybe over 200. There was a bunch of them. And everybody thought it would be the greatest idea to take this young guy. He was like 16 years old. And they said, we're going to have him preach to all the kids. He'll be able to relate with them because he's about their age. And so they put the 16-year-old up on the stage. And he had wrote an entire sermon, a 35, 40-minute sermon. And I'll remember vividly exactly what it was. He stood up in front of everybody and he said, fear, 
false evidence appearing real. And then he got, and I'm sorry if you've heard sermons about fear and you've heard that. I'm not trying to knock it. I'm just telling you that's what he stood up and said. And he's told all these young people. He looked at them all and he said, there's really nothing to fear. And he gave wonderful statistics. I think one of the statistics was like 95% of what we fret never happens. We really shouldn't. Have. He's saying that the, the whole sermon, you have really nothing to fear. And even more so, he said, we can take our faith and put our faith in God. And that will help us to overcome our fears. We left that night and everybody hugged him and told him how well he did and how great of a sermon it was and how much it meant to them. And we got in the car and Sarah looked at me and she said, you haven't hardly said a word. Why didn't you, why didn't you say anything to him? And I said, Sarah, there was a group of 200 young people that could have heard the gospel, but if they took the best of what he said, they walked away today and said, I have nothing to fear. I had another friend of mine, he was so excited. His sister would never don the doors of a church. I mean, he invited and invited and invited her. One night, he invited her to a youth rally. The youth group had got together. He invited her to the youth rally. He said, come to the youth rally with me. There's this great band. He played some of the music. They were like a semi-famous band coming in. He played some of their music. She said, I like that. I'll go with you. He called me in his exuberance. I'm so excited. She's going to go with me to church tonight to the youth rally. I said, that's wonderful. I'm so excited for you. I'll be praying for you. He texted me in the middle. She's raising her hands. A little later, he texted me she's weeping in the middle of service i said brother i'll keep praying for you he called me the next day he said i don't know what happened i said what do you mean you don't know what happened he said last night was awesome he said i woke up this morning and she was out back smoking and cussing with her friends i said i'm really sorry to hear that he said well it only gets worse he said she has plans she's going to go she's going to go to a party tonight and she is planning to get high and drink he said i don't know what happened I said, well, tell me what happened last night at the concert. He said, well, we were all singing and we were praising and I thought we were worshiping and she was crying and her hands were raised. And he said, the whole night she was swaying with everybody and I thought she was worshiping with us. I said, okay, maybe you ought to go, maybe you ought to go ask her. So he did. He went to his sister and he said, what happened? Last night we were swaying and we were singing and you were crying. He said, I saw you crying. You know what his sister said? She said, I was present. I was just present in the moment. She said the music was good and, and it was just moving us. And she said my friends were crying and you were crying. And she said just, just the movement, you know, just being present. She said it didn't mean anything. I was, just, I was just present there. Friends, do you get it? They missed the whole thing. That young lady needed to hear that Jesus Christ died for her sins. That he was buried in a tomb and three days later death couldn't hold him and he came up out of the grave. And you say, Justin, that's going to save people? Yeah, Paul said it this way. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I just told you the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Paul also said that it pleased God to use the foolishness of the gospel, that the wisdom of men, it pleased God to defy the wisdom of men with the foolishness of the gospel. What do we need to tell them? Number one, I told you, not everybody knows. Number two, at some point, you got to tell them about the master. You've got to tell them he died for you. He, he was put in a tomb, and three days later, he rose for you. I'm not going to look at my time. I'm not doing it. Look, for, look forward with me. We're in verse 36, and I'm going. And Or did the, oh, I'm in, back to Genesis. I get all excited. Back to Genesis 24, and I'm picking up in verse now in 42. He tells them all about his master. I'm in Genesis 24, 42. And uh, 
This day I came to the well. He's back to talking to Laban. Servant talking to Laban. I came to the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water, and I say to her, Please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink. And she says to me, Drink, and I will draw for your camels. Also let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. We read about that. That was last week. That's his prayer. That's what he's asking God. If I let the water down and she says she'll water the camel, that's the one. Well, look at what he says in verse 45. The servant talking to Laban. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebekah coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder. She went down into the well to draw water, and I said to her, Please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give to your camels a drink so also. And so I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. And then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. And so I put the nose ring on her and the bracelets on her wrist, and I bowed my head to work, I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham who led me in the way of truth to take uh, the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Verse 49, now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. If not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. He goes over the story. He says, I was praying, I, the whole pitcher thing, let the pitcher down. If she waters the camel, she's the one. Re- Rebecca, your uh, sister, she did it. She, she let the water pitcher down. She watered the camels. I was so excited. I started praising the Lord. I asked her whose daughter she was. She told me she's Abraham's family, just like what I was looking for. And then he gets to the end of his whole story, and he says, now tell me, are you going to deal kindly and truly with my master or not? Number one today. They don't always know. Number two, we have to tell them the gospel. Somebody's got to tell them about the master. Number three, somebody has got to ask them if they want to follow Jesus. Assuming that everyone understands that they should follow Jesus is also a mistake. Some people can know who Jesus is. They can hear the gospel. But if you don't say to them, would you like to follow him? They don't know what to do next. There's an older guy that I knew. And we were having our Wednesday night yearly evangelism uh, study, like kind of like what we're doing right now, but we were doing it on Wednesday nights. This guy was so excited. He picked a guy out. He'd been praying for him. He invited him out to go play golf. He told me, he said, I've invited him out. He said, I've, I've been praying, be praying with me. I'm going to share the gospel with him while we're, out, while we're out on the golf course. And he did. He came back to me so excited. He said, I did it. He said, I was, I was trembling in my voice. I was so nervous, but I did it. I invited him to play golf. We were on like the eighth hole, and he was getting ready to putt, and we were just chit-chatting, and he said, the Lord just put the conversation out there, and I was able to tell him about Jesus. I said, wonderful. Tell me about it. And so he told me, he said, I looked him right in the face, and I told him, did you know that the Bible says we're all sinners? And he said, the guy said, yeah, I knew the Bible said that. And he said, but did you know that the Bible says that God sent his only son to die for our sins? And he did. Jesus died for our sins, and three days later, after they put him in the grave, he rose from the dead. Death couldn't hold him. And he said, Jesus died for your sins, and then he rose again to offer you new life. I said, that is wonderful. Then what? He said, we finished our round of golf. I said, you finished your round of golf? I said, did did he accept the Lord or not? I promise you, this is what he said. I didn't ask him that. But, but that's true, right? I mean, we get so far and we say, it, do you know there's a difference in knowing who Jesus is and having him as your Savior? And at some point we have to say to them, would you like to follow Christ? 
Would you make him your savior? The servant tells the, the whole story of his master, and then he says, now tell me, will you deal kindly with my master or not? Well, look at what they say. Look what happens next. I'm in verse 50. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, this thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak either bad or good. Here's Rebekah before you. Take her and go. Let her be your master's son's wife, and the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard these words that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. The servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold, clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother, and he gave them to, and, 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 excuse me, in verse 54, and, then, and he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose in the morning and said, Send me away to my master. But, his bro- but her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay a few days, at least ten. After that she may go. You get it, right? He wants to go. The very next morning he's ready to go, and, and they're wanting to keep her for ten days. They want to keep Rebecca for ten days. Look, Verse 56. And he said to them, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away, so that I may go to my master. So they said, We will call the young woman and ask her personally. And then they called Rebecca and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. We get to the the end of today's part of the story, and they're trying to hold her back for 10 days. They said, at least let us keep her for 10 days. And the servant says, no, no, no. This is urgent. The Lord's prospered my way. This is urgent. We need to do this right now. I'm going to tell you the very same thing is true about your salvation. There is no better thing that you could do and no better way that you could do it and no better time than to put your faith in Christ right now. Could you imagine what would have happened if she had waited the 10 days? Maybe they would have started to question, is this guy real? Has anybody checked the gold? Is the gold real? Maybe it's fool's gold. I mean, it is kind of strange, this whole thing. The serv- this guy comes, he's the servant of the... I mean, that's not usually the way that it goes. Maybe they would have talked themselves out of it. I don't know. But I do know the servant was right to say this is urgent. It's now or never. I was given a book this past week by a friend of mine. His son-in-law wrote it. He's an evangelist. And uh, one of the chapters in the book, he was... Uh, just kind of going over his evangelism story about you know, how he got into evangelism and what he does. And, and he was outside of a grocery store, and he committed himself to the Lord, said, Lord, I will tell whoever you want me to tell. You show me, and, and, I'll, and I'll do it. He said he went into the grocery store, and he walked around. He's looking for somebody to tell the gospel to, and he couldn't find anybody. He just didn't feel the Lord speaking, and he left out of there pretty down about the idea. He thought, maybe I didn't listen well enough. Maybe I saw him, and I wasn't paying attention to what God was saying. And he said, in that moment, he kind of looked up, and there was this man standing outside of the grocery store. So he went up to the man outside of the grocery store. He said, Lord, are you sure? He's like 100 yards away. And the Lord said, that's the guy. And so he walked the 100 yards and walked up to this guy outside of the grocery store. And so he bid his little spiel. The way he did it was he said, you know, I've got a gift for you. And he gave him a Bible. And, and, and so he, he gave him the Bible. So I got a gift for you. And he gave him the Bible. And when he gave him the Bible, he said, the Lord kept pressing on him. said, you got to go further. So the man said, thank you. And then he said, well, did you know that that Bible says that the Son of God died for you and that he paid for your sins? When he died for you and then he rose again three days later. And the man said, "Uh, I I did know that. And the guy writing the book said, in that moment I felt the Lord say, you've got to go further. And so he said plainly to him. This is in his book. I could give you the book. I show the chapter. He said, have you ever received him as your savior? 
And the man said, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And standing outside of a busy grocery store with people passing by, he said he laid his hands on that man and they bowed their heads and he prayed to receive the Lord and he committed his life to the Lord Jesus right there outside of a grocery store. And he said after he gave his life to the Lord outside of this grocery store, the author said that the man hugged him so tight with tears in his eyes, said in his ear, you don't know how long I've needed to do that. Friends, you don't know how long somebody's been waiting. Right now's the day. Not come to church with me next week. Not would you be here Wednesday night. Not can we get coffee tomorrow. Right now, would you receive Christ? And for those of you who have Christ, would you be willing to share him? It's urgent. We'd, I don't know if you've noticed lately. Look around. Time seems to be getting toward the end, don't they? It's urgent. We don't want to wait. It's right now. They don't know. We've got to tell them about the master. We've got to make an invitation, and we've got to make it known that it's urgent. It needs to be done even right now. How about we all stand up on our feet, and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, would you put it on us right now? Would you charge us right now with the truth of your gospel? Lord, I know many of the people in this building, and we are believers in your son, Jesus. But, Lord, I also know that we have not been doing as faithful of a job as we should as your servants. So, Lord, would you work right now? Would you work inside of us? And would you, would you give us a drive? Would you set a fire inside of us that wouldn't be quenched? Father, I want to ask it this way. Would you set a fire inside of us that we couldn't even sleep at night until we share your gospel? Your son, Jesus with the world who so desperately needs it. Lord, you made it simple for us. Would you give us boldness? Could we be like Paul and say that we are not ashamed of the gospel because we know that it's your power and it's what you use to save those who are lost. And Father, I want to pray right now for those who might be in the building or watching online who do not know you as their Savior. Lord, I pray that right now in this moment you would begin to work. And I pray that you would draw them unto yourself. Father, I confess before all these people that I cannot save a soul. I can only point to you who does. Would you please draw them unto yourself, reveal yourself to them. And Father, would you give them courage to make it known right now that they gave their heart to you. Lord, we just want to say right now in this moment, we love you above all things because you have done wonderful and miraculous things for us. We love you because you loved us first. May your name be praised, and please do with this invitation whatever you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to commit your life to the Lord, if you want to uh, come forward for baptism, to seek baptism, that's next week. We'll talk about baptism and discipleship next week. Uh, if you want to do that, this is your time to do it. If you want to profess salvation, come do it now. Hey, you made it all the way through the sermon. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Don't forget you can find all of our sermons at saltandlightbaptist.com slash media. You can join us live on Sunday morning on Facebook or at saltandlightbaptist.com slash live. We'll see you next week.